Hey, welcome back to the BoxCast Podcast. It's Gary, your community manager. And today I have another special guest with us. Today we have Cade Young with Collaborate Worship. Let's dive right in. What you're doing matters because without a great sound system or without a great sound in the room, all there is is distraction. You can totally ruin the whole purpose of a church service whenever the sound's not right. So I know that it may not seem like a big purpose because whenever you do it right, nobody says anything. I mean, that's, that's the bummer part of running sound, right? If you're getting it right, nobody's saying a word. But if you get it wrong, everybody's griping at you. I mean, that's just the life of a sound guy, right? Without the sound guy, like doing a good job, the church service is hindered because there's distractions. And anytime there's distractions, the Holy Spirit's hindered from doing what he wants to do in that church service. So the calling is just, or the purpose is just so great for those guys that are sitting behind the tech booth, whether it be on sound, lighting, uh, presentation or whatever. Like whenever they just, whenever they're doing a good job, the Holy Spirit's enabled to move and there's nothing getting in his way. You're preparing the way for the Holy Spirit to move. I mean, what an incredible role to have in the church. Hey, Kate, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. No, it's it's really our pleasure. Um, I know I told you in pre that I'm going to kind of fanboy a little bit, so I'm really excited. Um, I really, really, really love the stuff you put out. So if you don't know who Cade Young is, Cade Young is the founder of Collaborate Worship. Um, he also has uh, the Inner Circle. He also has Church Sound Made Easy, which is really, 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 I'm sorry, Church Sound Made Simple. I always get those wrong, Kate. I'm sorry, buddy. Um, but he's got these really awesome products, these things that teach you how to do audio and how to do it really well. And I know that you're not impartial to any one console or another, right, Cade? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not, at, <laughs> not at all. I mean, I'll, all I ever see is the Behringer X32 on these things. So, but, <laughs> but there's, he's there's also, other good mixers out there, but yeah, the X32 um, yeah. takes the cake for me. Oh man, me too, dude. Me too. The 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 wing I've played with a few times. Um, I would, if I could afford that one, I would drop one in a heartbeat. I would drop the one in a heartbeat. Um, but it's, it's definitely not like running in like an SSL or, you know, like one of the bigger, you know, solid state consoles, but I really, I really think the X32 is a really good piece of equipment. we've, I've said that ever since I've got here at Boxcast. Um, in fact, I bought into all their stuff, but anyway, you, welcome to the show, man. And, uh, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you tell us a little bit more about everything that you do, who you are, how you got started. Let's dive into the whole piece of puzzle of Cade Young. Yeah, so it all started when I started a youth band um, back when I was 16. Our church didn't have one, and I was just led to lead worship. So um, it just seemed like the most logical place to get started. So that's what I did. And along the way, uh, I got married at 18, and my dad started a church shortly thereafter, asked me if I wanted to be the worship leader. I said, heck yes. I knew I'd be the best worship leader around because you know how you think as an 18 year old, you think you have it all figured out. Right. Um, didn't take me long to figure out that I didn't really know what I was doing, um, but I was willing to go on a learning journey and figure it out. And, you know, one of the biggest issues worship leaders face, especially when you're a worship leader of a small church is sound issues. Like how do, how do you get it to, to sound right? And you can go to all these conferences and things that are going on. Like um, in my city, I live near Tulsa. So we have Church on the Move, which um, they've been a big player in just, you know, putting out content to help churches improve their sound. Mm -hmm. But the problem is they have multi-million dollar sound system and oh, yeah. we and we don't. <laughs> so it's like, how do you take what they're teaching and apply it uh, to your uh, couple thousand dollar sound system? So that's the journey that I went on. Uh, just uh, 
hard knocks journey, like trial and error, lots of late nights at the church, just trying to figure out how to EQ and how to make things sound better. And what is a compressor anyway? And, and as I learned these things, um, it just started to sound really good at our church. And I would have my friends come over who were also worship leaders are like, Kate, how'd you get it to sound like this? It's like, well, and then I start giving them some tips. And honestly, I just got tired of them asking me the same questions over and over. Um, and my day job was I was a web developer. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to put up a website, call it Collaborate Worship and then start writing these things down so they can go reference them uh, themselves and, and quit asking me the same question over and over. And so that's what I did. I put like a few blog posts up um, to teach them these things. And I had a Google Analytics installed just because that's what you do on a website. And, <laughs> I, and I, I wasn't really paying much attention to it. I went back like, I don't know, it was probably about a year later, looked at the Google Analytics. I'm like, and there were thousands of people going to to <laughs> consume my content. I'm like, who are these people? Right. And I, and I wonder what would happen if I just kept writing every week. And so I embarked on a journey of blogging every single week. I would uh, go to Panera and write a blog post on Tuesdays and I would post it. And, it, you know, that's how it all got started. And, and it took off and it was only a blog for a couple years. And then somebody convinced me to start a YouTube channel. Um, that was before I'd been on video ever. And I'm sure you know this, your first few times on video, you feel so awkward. It's Yo, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like the thing you yeah. do not want to do. Uh, but it was pretty cool, though, because once I I just took my blog post, loaded them in a teleprompter and put them on YouTube and it doubled my audience within like a matter of months. And wow, uh, just haven't looked back ever since. Everything's YouTube now. I mean, we still post it on the blog, too, but YouTube is where it's at. You do a fantastic job. And I know um, your brother on the other on the, is like your main visual video kind of person, not only at your, at the church, which is no limits there. And, and is it in Tulsa or Oswaso? It's in Owasso, which is a Owasso. suburb of Tulsa. Yep. Okay. So no limits church. And I know you guys work hand in hand to create a nice, awesome worship experience for your congregation, but also in turn, you've, you, you put everything out there on YouTube. And then when did you really switch collaborate worship into kind of like this training subscription service that churches and, and uh, worship folk can get into. So I launched my first course, I think it was 2016, and it was the X32 Mastery course, because I went from analog to digital mixing, and it was one of the most painful experiences that I've oh, been through, yes. just transitioning yes. my mind between the two. I mean, it's the same mm -hmm. concepts, but the application's completely different. And so after I figured that out, I was like, man, nobody should have to go through the pain and suffering that I went through. And so I created that was my first course, X32 Mastery, and it took off because I was the first one to put a course out for the X32. So, you know, there's there's a benefit to being the first to market, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, so that was just that's when Collaborate Worship actually started providing for me and my family. And up until that point, it was just something that I was doing, you know, for free, whether ever became a business or not. But it's cool that it did become a business because that's what enables me to employ my brother. And we have a part time video editor, too. And I just love that um, Collaborate Worship has become something that provides jobs that provides for my family and also yeah. provides jobs for others. And I, I want it to continue growing so I can continue to grow the team. Absolutely. No, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, and in ministry, we, we all know that uh, those who are called to pastor churches or to be pastors in churches don't necessarily get paid. Um, you know, the appropriate levels, you know, it's a, it's a very selfless job. Um, so you got to find means other ways and other ways. So I completely understand with you, man. I really, I really know that feeling too. Um, but I really want to say just a couple of things. I mean, just, just looking at your stats, I mean, 36,000 plus followers on YouTube. 
I don't know what your numbers are for collaborate worship. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they're like 200,000 people at, at least in a year taking your courses at some point. Right. I mean, it's gotta be a big, big draw for people, especially for those who don't know anything about audio. Yeah, there's, well, there's about 5,000 people in my courses, in my paid courses right okay. now, which, which is a great group of people. Um, as far as like, if you talk about the, the front stat, there's over 200 unique visit 200,000 unique visitors to collaborateworship.com every year, which is just incredible. It is incredible. Wow. Wow. I mean, I go there all the time. <laughs> I got, I think you've got at least 52, just at least 52 visits a year for me. Uh, I know that for, for a fact. Well, I, I really am, uh, again, I'm grateful for having you. I just, I have a couple of really cool questions for you. Just some things that came off the top of my head after watching some videos of yours. Like, so what is one of the weirdest questions you ever got from a YouTube or uh, a collaborate worship uh, subscriber? <laughs> I don't know that there's necessarily uh, a weird question that comes to mind, but what does come to mind is just the fight over whether you put a shield around the drums or not. That one's always interesting to me because you post one way or the other, and there's always a fight that happens in the comments. Like, I mean, it's just an all out brawl going on, right. whether you should put a shield up or not. So <laughs> I always hey, find that one funny. And where do you lie on that ground? Um, no drum shield for me. We're in a oh. we're in a small room and we have no drum shield. Um, I would rather just coach my drummer on playing in a controlled manner um, so that we don't have that visual barrier. Wow. Yeah, we have a giant cage that we built with the clear plexi in the front and the door that swings open and the mics and the lights and all that jazz. But yeah, I'm actually a, I'm a shielder. Um, I would love to not be shielded. I wish my drummer would play a little bit more normal <laughs> that's he's a hard thing like, to get to get him to do yeah, yeah. yeah well he's like animal in there from the muppet babies dude like he's all over the place so um but yeah no i'm a shield guy you're not shield guy i know that you and jake had a really awesome video on your youtube channel uh, in your podcast that you guys did that was about doll versus uh mix bus or dcas and and using those particular things to mix your sound and i know that you're not a dog guy with when it comes to that you like to process it right out of the console into your live stream am i correct yeah so you know i'm the church sound made simple guy so anything that makes it more complicated i like now let's figure out how to keep it simple absolutely i'm with yep. you i i agree 100 with you i don't like to use a doll uh, i don't like to use ableton or anything i i've looked into waves a few times and maybe it would be worth it one day uh to be able to switch to something and get that a little bit of auto tune that I, <laughs> I would love to have but i would just love our singers to just you know train themselves a little bit better and and i completely agree with you i'm 100 make it make it as easy as possible right out of the console into your stream that's that's where i'm too so hey yeah, yeah. awesome I so love it. Yeah, on man. The shield, but we agree on how to do a live stream mix. So yeah, we're one for one. Always, <laughs> always common ground somewhere, man. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> if I had a big enough room that didn't require a shield for a drum cage, then I feel like I'd be okay. You know, but our our building is probably a little bit bigger than your building. Um, our sanctuary is definitely a little bit bigger. It's probably I think maybe two or three times the size of yours, but it's not. It, our building was built in like the early '60s, so we've got like this huge swooping steeple that's all wood no no treatment mm. so everything just kind of reverberates up and everything's made out of concrete <laughs> so <laughs> everything just reverberates up so there's really no no sound treatment to help diminish that so a cage is really needed there yeah but, for sure room matters and i mean we have hard surfaces too the floor is concrete the walls are sheetrock um but we did some things to diminish the sound of the drums we put a 
$5,000 curtain behind the stage that absorbs, it's a sound absorbing curtain. Mm -hmm. So, and the drums are right up against it. So it absorbs a lot of that drum energy before it reverberates out. Um, oh, we do have wow. some sound treatment in our room, but I mean, we're packing a um, hundred people into a tiny room. So pretty much the whole room is covered in padded chairs. So that helps a lot too. <laughs> right. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, I was going to say it's got to be bodies and, and seating in there. That's probably helping with that too. So. Yep. Well, along that lines of like, you know, some of the weird things, non weird things, the cool things, the things that we disagree on, what is, what is uh, probably the worst piece of equipment or software you've ever used? Hmm. I used to use these rack mounted Behringer compressor units back in the analog days. That Those way. things were trash. And they almost kept me from buying the X32 to begin with because I was like, you know, Behringer just hasn't treated me well. I don't know. I couldn't imagine getting a mixer from them. And then I finally got it and fell in love with it. I think that this is, it's the unicorn of Behringer products. And maybe maybe yes. the wing is the second unicorn. I don't know. I just got my hands on a wing recently. So the jury's still out on that one. But I saw yeah. that video. That was a good video, man. That was a really good review. I really enjoyed that. Uh, oh, but thanks, man. I, I know the compressor you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, I also tried to compare or uh, tried to put it in together with like a, a Behringer 200, one of those little floor speakers that had like all the adjustment. Those things are garbage. I feel like Behringer was going to catfish me on the 632 when it first released. And I was uh -huh. a little nervous as well. So I'm with you on that one, buddy. I really am. <laughs> so I got a really side question for you, though. What uh, you, I mean, obviously, you know, AI is pretty, pretty hot right now. Right, man. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody's been talking about AI. Um, this artificial intelligence is either going to be the life of us or the death of us in some regard. <laughs> right. <laughs> but where do you see maybe where do you see that fitting in the future of audio, audio mixing, engineering? Well, I mean, I, I, I guess it's kind of already begun, right? You go to watch guys like Jake Goslin at Churchfront. He's been automating everything for the last five years. Um, and we've always gotten to disagreements about that as well. Um, but I'm. Um, I don't know, like, obviously it can go further, but I'm thinking about, we didn't really have any automation at our church because like I said, I'm the simple guy. And then we recently integrated our uh, backing tracks. I forget, I, I forget which app we're actually using, but with ProPresenter so that it triggers mm -hmm. the lyric cues for us. Um, I mean, we just did that within the last year and talk about a cool automation feature. So now the lyric guy is more of a manager and doesn't have to sit back there and hit the space bar a million times every service. Mm -hmm. And the lyrics are always right. So um, some automation things just really improve things and, and make things better for everyone. But I, I guess I haven't thought about how this is going to impact the worship space because I'm a pastor now of our church. I'm coming up on my fifth year of pastoring. And I've thought a lot about how this is going to change the landscape for pastors because you can basically go to chat GPT and have them write your sermon for you. And oh, that's, con yeah. no. that's concerning for me from a pastor standpoint, because I know that there's pastors out there that are going to do it because unfortunately, you know, there's just pastors in America that it's just their job for them and anything that makes the job easier, they're going to take advantage of. So I don't know how many right. churches are going to be led by chat GPT here in the near future, but that's concerning for me. Um, but as far as the worship space goes, I'm curious what you think. What do you think is going to happen with AI and worship? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and thanks for turning that around on me. I thought this was my podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, I really think the way that the AI is moving nowadays, especially like you've got apps and services like runaway doing like AI generated video um, mm -hmm. and video editing. I really think that there's a big shift when it comes to the audio. Um, I think co companies 
will be kind of utilizing that AI technology to bring in like what you would do with a DAW, but they're going to bring that that audio space in, such as like those two channel, three, five, six, 16, 32 channels, like a DAW would, and then it's going to auto mix everything for you. So I really think that that automation is going to kick in. Um, maybe the newest line of consoles, maybe it's not the wing, maybe it's like the chicken bone from Behringer that comes out is going to have that AI automation built into the console where, you know, you, it automatically listens for your EQs and it, it listens for your compressions and limiters and it puts all of that stuff in place for you automatically. So you're not having to guess about the settings or, you know, regardless of room treatment or whether the room is decently sounding or not, um, it, the console is going to do that for you. Um, so I really think that that AI probably in the next 10 years, that's where, where it's headed. Um, and even in software applications, like doing stuff in the cloud, you know, Boxcast, we, we live stream and we have a live streaming solution, but we do it in the cloud. So I really think that maybe AI in the cloud is really going to be a prominent thing for audio as well. Man, that's a good point. And I had not thought about that. So thank you for giving me things to be nightmarish about. <laughs> I'm sorry, Cade. I apologize, buddy. That wasn't my intent. <laughs> so you basically just told me, hey, Cade, your your courses have a lifespan, like they're not going to be needed here in about a couple of years. So you better find something else to do. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's that aspect you could take it that way. But I think really it's, I mean, if you think about AI in general, like it's still a human has to train that AI to do what for sure. So I really think you're going to be able to take your space into a whole new direction. Um, you know, with they're still going to be traditionalists like you and I, um, who believe you got to be hands on, you've got to listen, you got to use your ears, you got to learn to hear frequencies. Like that's a big thing for me is learning to hear frequencies. So I really think that that's uh, you're still going to have your traditional people, um, especially those guys who don't want to leave the analog console space. Uh, right. You know, that's that's still a thing. Yeah. So. But yeah, well, let me ask you another really uh, kind of cool question. And this is we're going to get a little deeper here into some things. And and I hope you're cool with the ride. But um, as we both know, one of the hardest pieces to any church production worship, regardless if it's if it is a full blown worship service or maybe it's just like, hey, you got a Bible study. It's having some light music. Um, the one of the hardest pieces is audio. So whether that be kind of like in your live stream or in your house mix or monitors, but most churches don't have the money to pay somebody to do this. Like they don't, they can't afford to bring someone in. Sometimes they can't even bring, afford to bring the right people in to help them get started. Right. So in that, what advice would you have for maybe a small church volunteer who's really struggling to mix their front of house, their, their stage monitors, you know, maybe are getting com some complaints from the people who attend their church and they just don't know how to handle it. Um, my main advice is to make it simple. I think we make it way too complicated and then we get caught up in all the details. I mean, I, I did that too. And then you find out that there's just a few simple things that you can do to improve your mix. And whether you get into the more detailed stuff or not, you're creating a great mix every week. Um, so just to kind of give you an overview of what I'm talking about, like if you know how to set gain correctly on your mixer, and if you also know how to place a low cut filter on all of your channels, you're gonna create a better mix than probably 90% of the churches out there right now. Um, just those two things alone, like I, I'm always telling people, if I was stranded on an island and could only take two things with me from my mixer, I'll, all I need is a gain and low cut filter and I can create a great mix. Mm -hmm. So master those two things. Those two things are very simple. They're very basic when it comes to sound, but you'd be surprised at how many people don't know them. So if you don't, if you don't know those two things, like how to do it the right way, um, don't beat yourself up for that. Just get out there and learn and you're gonna be surprised at how much better that your mix gets. And of course, a shortcut to learning is you can go to collaborateworship.com 
youtube.com and search for those two things under our free content tab and you'll find a video for both of them yes you will and i've actually looked at those and i think they're really well produced man they they look really good they actually sound really good and they've got the like it's spot on advice when you say low cut and gain like gain structure i think is probably the hardest thing to teach in my opinion my volunteers how to actually do because like they don't understand the, the the whole reasons behind gain like most people think gain is volume and it's really not i mean it, there's there's whole different aspects of gain and volume and i just i i've had trouble teaching my volunteers that like hey don't turn up the gain knob when you want to turn up volume right and you use the gain mm -hmm. to make sure signal so within that like outside of like getting all of those things together you know we have all of these terms that we use for these like tools like like gate and compression and limiters and gain for you know example but most people running audio don't understand those terms um and really if you don't have like a musician's background um you really don't get that so how would you guide someone who's literally starting at zero um, begin to gain um, that kind of knowledge? Is it more just outside of taking a course from you? Is it just time at the board, you think? Or is it YouTube University sometimes? Like, what's what's the thought process there? Well, if you want to fast track, that's why I created Church Sound Made Simple. Um, and there's three, basically three different courses in Church Sound Made Simple. And one is an onboarding course that's designed specifically for people who have no idea um, what a mixer even does or like they just they see it and they're like I want to get involved with that and so I created this course so that they don't get overwhelmed because what I was finding is you'd have people interested in volunteering on the sound team um, and then they'd get overwhelmed and then they'd leave and go do something else that was easier so I was uh, focused on solving that problem with this course and basically it takes them on an eight-step process to learning the essentials of mixing and they only focus on one step each week so you pair them up with somebody who's already running sound and the first week, they're just learning how to set gain. The sec second week, they're just learning how to set low cut filter. And then they're just building like precept upon precept on these things so that they don't get overwhelmed through the process. So right now, even at my church, we have uh, this lady that's like in her late 60s. She's never run sound before. She is a musician, so that's helpful. But she just she's like, I want to be a part of this. And so she's going through our, my onboarding made simple course, which is part of church sound made simple. And she's learning it with without any problems. And then I've also sent teenagers through it and they learn it without any problems. Um, and one thing you should know is that whenever whenever I created that course, I thought that I had dumbed it down enough, like to for people who didn't understand these terms like gain and, and that sort of thing. But I had my nephew go through it who knows nothing about sound once I had version 1.0. He's like, well, what does that mean? Well, what does that mean? And so I had to recreate the whole thing because, you know, even when you're trying to be intentional about not using insider language, you still use it. So the course that's out there, though, I mean, this is version 2.0. We didn't even re release 1.0, but it really works. <laughs> it really yeah. works for, for people who have no idea what they're doing with sound. It really takes them through that process of learning and becoming a proficient mixer in just about eight weeks uh, without getting overwhelmed. Wow. Eight weeks. That's actually a really short period of time to be able to yeah. be at least in that get beyond that novice, you know, experiential understanding of it all. But I can tell you that when the the one of the main reasons that really attracted me to you, Cade, like the, one of the videos I watched, it must have been four years ago, had to have been four or five years ago, was I was looking for a really more simplistic method to adding reverb to my vocals. Right. And. I didn't know, like, I mean, I've, I know what a plate reverb is. I know what a hall reverb is. You know, I know what the different types of reverbs are, but I didn't know how I wanted to apply them in such a bigger space. And I found your video um, with your cheat sheet that <laughs> helped. 
um, apply the, the settings. And those are the settings that I still use today after like four or five years of us being on a new digital X32 running snakes and all that jazz. Those are the con that's the actual settings. So I think the video that, that really pulled me in was that video. That's probably still my favorite video only because it helped me quite so much. So, I mean, I, when you say it works, I don't, I, I will totally agree with you. I don't disagree at all because I really think that you guys have a really unique method of teaching someone how to get that. And if, and um, anybody who's watching, like if you guys have not actually seen any of these courses, um, Cade and his team does a real, they do a really, really good job of giving you some preview courses to learn more. You have to get into the actual, you know, church sound made simple um, database and learning courses, but th it really does make a lot of sense. You guys really break that down. So what is the, what is like the process? Like, how I know you're just wanting to dumb it down is what you said, or you want to make it simple, right? But how what is the process for you taking something so complex and then pulling it down into into something that that even the basic person could understand? Well, I mean, the process is I think that's just the gift that God gave me. I that's how my mind works. I see something that's complicated and I just go after it um, until I figure out how to make it simple. And so I mean, you're gleaning on my 10 years of experience whenever you get into one of my courses of me uh, being overwhelmed with something like mm -hmm. reverb, for example, why does it not sound good? Why can I not get it right? And going out there and doing the research, learning from the other guys and then figuring out, okay, that's great. Um, but it's still complicated. How do I make it simple? And then I go and I try it out at my church until I figure it out. And then I share it. And then God's just given me a way um, to communicate that makes it even more simple online. So I'm just, I am operating in my gift, so to speak. And I don't know how else to explain it, but I'm thankful that God gave me this gift, um, that he helped me discover it and that I can use it to help people. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you guys have a really great gift in that. Like, it's really, I love the fact that you guys can take that stuff and, and just turn it into something so easy to understand. Like, like I told you, we're still using those settings today. Like I haven't changed them. I refuse to change them. I think it looks, it sounds great. It looks good on the console. Everything works well. And my, my volunteers know that all they got to do is just sends on fader, select the FX channel and just mix it in a little bit by a little bit or down a little bit. It's perfect. So awesome. that leads me to a question because I know that you do a lot of these. Like I know you guys are just cranking out some content. I know you really got into your videos on YouTube. Um, I really did enjoy the the latest one, which is uh, how to get big sound without, you know, blowing out your ears, um, which I thought that was a great, it was a great video. Good explainer too. And I love, love the graphic. Uh, <laughs> so I know that you're like, not only that, but you've also got like this ministry that you're working full time in and you got all these kids and you got even younger children, like baby chickens. Like what, <laughs> how do you manage this man? Like, I mean, how do you do it? Like, is there, are you using iCal all the time or, you know, <laughs> like Rylan uses Wonderlust or using Wonderlust all the time? Like, what are you doing, man? Well, I guess I apply my own. Uh, philosophy to my own life. Like my life is actually simple. It may look complicated from the outside, but um, anything that seems complicated in my life, I just figure out a way to make it simple. And so whenever you do that, I'm able to uh, accomplish everything that the Lord sets before me. And I will say that I don't do anything that I am not led to do. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a pastor because uh, the Lord led me to pastor, not because I had some ambition to be a pastor. And so whenever you follow the the Holy Spirit and what he's leading you to do, there's this grace there that enables you to do what you're doing. And as soon as that assignment is done, the grace leaves and and you know it. And I always mm -hmm. 
I always say goodbye probably a little bit too late because I'm, I like to finish things. I'm a finisher. And so if I feel like I still have something to do, even though the Holy Spirit's like move on to something else, I'm like, no, I got to finish this first. And then I, I just make myself miserable and I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I'm stressed out. And I'm like, it's because I, I overstayed my welcome and I'm doing something in my own power now because there's no grace of God to do what he didn't ask me to do or something that he led me out of. So, I mean, that's just that's something that I'm still learning in my life is just how to stay right step in step with what the Holy Spirit wants me to do in this season of my life. I'm always surprised at how often it changes. Because to be honest with you, whenever he called me to lead worship back when I was 18, mm. I thought that I would lead worship the rest of my life. And then and then 10 years later, he's like, now it's time for you to pastor. And I was like, no, that's that wasn't the deal. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was going to keep I got collaborate worship going. Like, how can I keep doing collaborate worship and, and be a pastor at the same time? Yeah. It's like you can. And that's why I'm thankful that I have my brother with me. Um, he works full time for me. He's the worship leader at our church now. So um, basically what I do for collaborate worship now is I'll create content. I'll write the, the posts and get in front of the camera and do that sort of thing. And then he's the one that does all the editing, the posting, and, and takes it from there. Um, wow. So if you, you need to thank Dylan, my brother, for the content that's out there, because he's doing most of the work now. Well, Dylan, if you're watching, thank you. It's great. It's good <laughs> stuff, man. Thank you, Dylan. And hey, whenever you get an opportunity, we'd like to have you come over to BoxCast. I think we have an opening sometime soon. <laughs> come, come over and help us out. You know, just kidding. Our producers are really good. Our video editors are really great here, too. But yeah, I, I, like, I, I like what you said about being in step. Um, the one thing that I, I've always seen as a struggle is knowing when you've gone too far or when you haven't gone far enough. Mm. Um, and that's, that's really been the thing for me as well. So I, I understand and, and simple life, buddy, I don't have one. So, <laughs> I, I do, wow. You know, no, but I, I completely understand that. I mean, you, I mean, you guys are just doing some really good stuff out there and, I really think it's helping a lot of the the church people who need that assistance. Like, you know, you've got a lot of teams out there on different churches who really struggle with understanding that what they're doing is not necessarily supposed to be world changing. Um, but it's, but it's bringing, it's like a ministry. It is a ministry, right? You're bringing in people together to do a collaborative thing and that's to, to, you know, worship God in that space. And, I've always found it really difficult to actually equate the reasons behind we the, doing that with doing it well. Like if we're going to do anything unto God, we got to do it with purpose and we got to do it well. And so I think that's always reason that it's important to learn these things and to learn them well. And I think you guys are doing a phenomenal job in helping people get there. Um, so Thanks, and that leads me into a really cool question about like, how have you handled those kind of people in your church from the past? Like your volunteers, maybe you've got sister Jill who's come up and is like, Hey, this is really awful sounding. Like how, how have you handled that? How have you helped your team to do that? Like, is it turning into a positive, maybe a teaching on what, what are you guys like doing or what have you done? Interesting. You bring this up because I just mentioned how we have, a lady in her late 60s who's learning how to be part of our sound team now. And whenever she first came to church, she wasn't real pleased with how loud we run our sound. Um, it's not overly loud. It's not ear damaging loud, but she came from a church that was much quieter. So it was quite the culture shock for her. Uh, but she felt led to be there. 
And so she didn't tell me at first. Um, she told, she actually found out who my mom was because my mom goes to church. She's like, can you tell Kate that it is too loud in here? And so, I mean, we, just, we had a good time with that. And so whenever she uh, actually asked to be a part of the sound team, I was like, oh, here we go. She's just... <laughs> <laughs> she's just decided she's going to take this matter into her own hands. Um, so we had a sit down conversation with her before we even said yes. Um, we're like, we want to we want to meet you first and talk about this. And like, we just set the expectation up front. We're like, we understand that you think that you don't like how loud it is at our church and you don't necessarily agree with how we run things. But here you want to be a part of the sound team. So we need to know, like, are you going to submit to something that you don't necessarily agree with and run sound mm. the way that we ask you to run it? Or are you going to come in here and try to change it? Um, and at that meeting, she's like, I have, I just want to be a part of this. Like, I will do it the way that you want me to do it. So we just set that expectation up front so that if it comes down the line and she's trying to change the way that we're doing it, that we can revert back to mm -hmm. that conversation that we had to, which makes it a whole lot easier. Because if you set a, a false expectation up front or you don't say anything, and then it comes down to the line and, and you have to have a confrontation, it's harder to have that confrontation whenever you didn't set the expectation to begin mm -hmm. with. So that's probably my biggest tip right there is just set the expectation. If somebody's new to church and they think that they can come in and start changing things it's too loud in here, or I don't like how cold it is or like whatever, and they just start <laughs> complaining, you're like, you know what? We respect that you have an opinion, but this is how we're going to do it here. The room's going to be 70 degrees or 68 or whatever. We're going to run it at a, a 85 decibel or 90 decibel or 95 or however loud you run it. This is just how we've decided to do it here. And you've let your your uh, opinion be made known. And now we don't want to hear it anymore because we're not going to sit here and argue about it. We're not going <laughs> to gripe about it or anything right. like that. And kind of go back to that, your yes, BS and your no, be no, right? <laughs> exactly. I never put somebody down for having an opinion, but at the same time, like if this is how we're doing it, this is how we've decided to do it. That's the decision that's been made. And, you know, part of being in the body of Christ is you have to learn how to respect leadership. Um, mm. I, when I was in Bible school, there was a class called Submission and Authority. Doesn't that sound like a great class? I had the um, same class, actually. That's funny. Which is very needed because we are not taught submission and authority like in culture. You're only taught that in the church. And it's a very, very godly characteristic. You'll find it all throughout the New Testament that the only way for the church to function, the way that it's supposed to function is for people to submit to the leaders that are um, above them. Um, and submission is only, you're only really submitting when you're doing something that you don't want to do, that your leaders ask you to do, and you do it without an attitude. That is true godly mm. submission. Now, some people think that, oh, I'm submitting whenever I'm doing something that they asked me to do that I want to do. No, that's not that's not really submission. It's only submission whenever you don't want to do it and you do it anyway. Mm. Mm. I mean, good thoughts on that, man. I mean, there's a lot of deep, deep things in there. I don't want to go too deep today, but there's a lot of deep <laughs> stuff there. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. So when you when you have the, these kind of issues with your volunteers, though, it's not just a, a matter of, hey, we're going to do it this way. Like, how are you coaching them to to become better at understanding why you're doing it that way? That's a good question. I mean, I, I even have a video like the Church Sound Makes Simple opens with a video of like why what you're doing matters, because without a great sound system or without a great sound in the room, all there is is distraction. The pastor's mic isn't working or or it's obnoxious or mm -hmm. or whatever. Like you can totally ruin the whole purpose of a church service whenever the sound's not right. So I know that it may not seem like a big purpose because whenever you do it right, nobody says anything. 
Maybe that's that's the bummer part mm. of running sound, right? If you're getting it right, nobody's saying a word. But if you get it wrong, everybody's griping at you. I mean, that's just the life of a sound guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but whenever you recognize that, like without, and and not in like a pride or arrogance way, but without the sound guy, like doing a good job, the church service is hindered mm-hmm. because there's distractions. And anytime there's distractions, the Holy Spirit's hindered from doing what he wants to do in that church service. So the calling is just, or the purpose is just so great for those guys that are sitting behind the tech booth, whether it be on sound, lighting, uh, presentation or whatever. Like whenever they just, whenever they're doing a good job, the Holy Spirit's enabled to move and there's nothing getting in his way. You're preparing the way for the Holy Spirit to move. I mean, what an incredible role to have in the church. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's an importance there as well that we're, we're not to impede or to hinder whatever's happening. It's, you know, we're, we're there to bolster and to support and to enhance. So yeah, so distractions really cause a problem. Now I'm going to switch a little bit of a gear here on you because I know if I'm not mistaken, you guys just installed an led wall in the church. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? We did. How, how was that experience? It was awesome. It was a little bit harder to install than I thought. I mean, there was just some things to learn about the processor and it wasn't true 16 by nine. So you have to figure out how to deal with that. So, um, but man, it looks so good. I I know I would would never go back to a projector. I love my favorite thing is that when it's off, like it disappears into the background because we do a lot of stuff in our worship set. We keep it simple, man. Can you believe that? I mean, I think we may have a motion background for the first song whenever there's a lot of energy in the room. And then the rest of worship, the LED wall is off and it's just lyrics on the screen, just white lyrics. Mm. So I just love that because it just creates this very simple, uh, non-distracting environment. Yeah, absolutely. No, it looks great. And, and you know, we'll drop a, we'll cut a video here of, of that, you guys installing. But that was, it was really cool. And you guys actually used one of my favorite companies, Worship Productions, mm, who they're awesome. helped with that. Yeah, well, and they're like what, half the price of everybody else. Or I less. Mean, I mean, yeah, it's incredible. It. Yeah, it was incredible. So what did you what did you guys see in that that realm? What was the most difficult thing outside of the processor? Because I know people don't understand nowadays. I mean, this is all new technology coming out. They don't know what pitch, you know, pixel pitch is, you know, uh, focal distance. They don't understand those terms yet. But what was the hardest thing that you and Dylan had to go through in getting that that system installed and ready to move? And you installed it yourselves, right? Like you guys didn't have did. the installers come out. So. Yeah. Um... Dale and the team with Worship Productions were so great because they answered all of our questions. I didn't have any idea what pixel pitch was, but I mean, it's basically like a resolution on an, on a projector, right? Mm-hmm. And so you just figure out what you need. And our room's so small and the LED wall is so close. We had to get the smallest pixel pitch, which is, which is the most expensive too. Um, but yeah, Worship Productions is still half price of the other guys, if not less than that. Um, but yeah, it still just comes down to, I would say it was the processor that was the hardest thing. Like, mm. Uh, well, I will say this too. So you're when you're installing it yourself, they're, they seem fragile. I don't know how fragile they really are. So you're putting these things together and, and then you're like trying to hoist it up into the ceiling. And I was just so worried that we were going to break one of those panels. Uh, so that was a little bit nerve wracking. We didn't break anything. So they're probably not as fragile as it seemed. But, uh, but yeah, and then getting the processor set up. Um, and, and getting it connected to the computer, because the computer is going to output 1080p. 1920 by 1080 resolution, Mm -hmm. but that's not what the projector or that's not what the LED wall is receiving because it's like 1920 by 1800. Yeah. So just learning the best way to to deal with that. And we probably just need to create a video on that because it's a little bit too complicated to explain in this video. And there's 
several different ways you can solve the problem. Right. So the, the processor is the hard. I would I would say we haven't installed one, but I've seen a few. Um, I've I've real I've touched a couple, which is like really a cool experience for me because it's like when you put your hands on something that is tangible, <laughs> you see in a video, it's like, oh, this is cool. But uh, but yeah, I I think the pixel pitch is probably the 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 most difficult thing for me to explain to somebody outside of it being a resolution. Yeah, but the processor. I didn't know that there had to be one when I was looking into these mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm trying to, shh, I'm trying to convince my church to buy one. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> cause it would get rid of this projector, man. Anyway, you know, I don't like those projectors either. I'm it's, it's like overhead slides. You remember those? Do you remember, are you young enough for that Kate? Where oh, they yes, had like the overheads and the oh, yeah. tr transparencies. It's just a Jill there <laughs> switching the transparency yep. every song. Oh, and then yeah. if somebody got the wrong words, they had to cross it out and rewrite it in with the with the erasable. <laughs> oh my god, those were good uh, times, man. Those were good times. I think we still have one of those in our basement somewhere. That's <laughs> <Cheers. laughs> so nuts, man. It's and that literally was like thirty years ago. Like we yeah. were, you know, projectors back then were, you know, a big big step for a lot of churches. A big step for a lot of churches. Mm -hmm. So. What is, um, you know, going, I know I'm jumping all over the place here, but I have a lot of things like, can you just give me, what is your favorite tool to use when configuring audio in your church? Is it like an, an RTA mic? Is it, um, some sort of like software that you're using to help build? What is your favorite tool? Like when you're actually doing the audio work outside of the console? So you kind of, it sounds like you're talking about EQing the room. Maybe what you're asking about maybe maybe I'm setting you up for another question. Yeah, maybe so. Um, so a lot of people will use automatic processors like the the DBX stuff that's out there, right? Um, yeah. I've never used one of those because <laughs> I guess I'm a traditionalist, as you would say. <laughs> so I, I, I try to keep everything in the console. So if I'm going to configure and set up the sound for the first time, I'm going to EQ the room. And what EQing the room is, is so every room has a different frequency response, and then you have your speakers that play into the mix. So whenever it outputs the sound, it is not um, treating all frequencies the same. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't do anything at that point, you're going to have feedback issues, it's going to sound unbalanced. And so uh, the way you fix that is EQing the room. And so I use the DBX RTA mic, you can use any mic, any reference mic uh, that has a flat frequency response. The DBX RTA mic is probably the most affordable. So that's the one that I recommend. You set that in the middle of the room or about um, ear level, you point it at your speakers, you angle it at the same uh, angle as your speakers, mm -hmm. and then you play pink noise through the sound system. And then you go back to your mixer and you look at what the RTA is hearing through that reference mic. And you can see the frequencies that are sticking out in your room. Maybe it's like 400 hertz is like, way higher than the rest of it. And so you're looking right. for those peaks within the frequency spectrum, and then you apply EQ to your main mix to bring those down so that you have a more even response from your sound system uh, from the front. So it's basically like you're sending all of your sound through this filter to make it sound good in your room. Mm -hmm. And this also makes your live stream sound better because then you're not cutting things out of a vocal mic to make it sound good in your room, but it doesn't necessarily need to be cut in the live stream as well. Um, so EQ in your room is absolutely essential Although it's more, it is not a simple thing to do. It's no. more challenged. It's one of the more challenging things to do. But I do have a video on how to do it. Um, but I would recommend you set a day a day aside to do it when nobody's going to be at the church because you're going to do it, you're going to get it wrong. And then you're going to do it again, you're going to get it wrong. And you may get it right the fifth time that you do it. You just gotta, <laughs> right. no. it, it just takes time. You will. You absolutely will. So that was, I'm glad you're hitting on all the things because I was just getting ready to ask the follow-up question to this, like that was coming down the line. 
was when it comes to live streaming audio, if you're, if you're using ambient mics in your room, it's highly important that you set up the EQ in your room, which For is sure. what I was getting ready to ask you is, is that something that you would recommend to anybody who's like just starting out getting their live streaming audio to a better place? Is that one of the first things you would recommend is EQ the room, set up your ambient mics, and then get it all mixed into your live stream. Yeah, for sure, because the live stream sounds pretty dull without ambient mics. Mm -hmm. Without the ambient mics, you're not getting any of the room noise. Say if people cheer or clap or whatever, you're not really hearing that. Maybe coming through the vocal mics, but not that much. The ambient mics just make a huge difference as far as bringing your live stream to life. Absolutely. Well, you, you're literally nailing everything that I was going down the line. So thanks for, for answering my questions even before I ask them. I really Sweet. appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so, Kay, just like one or two more things for you, man. Um, is there anything kind of new or cool that you can tell us that's getting ready to come out? Something on your YouTube channel or maybe through Collaborate Worship that you'd like to maybe give us a little hint to or something you'd like us to, to, to drop in and look at that would be really cool? Anything cool new that's coming? One of the projects that we've been working on for over a year that's still pending is we have a Spanish version of Church Sound Made Simple now. All the videos are done. It's just getting it uploaded and getting the landing page built and things like that. I can't tell you how challenging it is to work in a language other than the one you know. <laughs> so sometimes I wonder, what have I, what have I done? Uh, but anyways, I'm, I'm excited to get this out there for people who speak Spanish to have something in their native language. Um, wow. So that should be coming out in the next month or two. Um, but we also just launched Inner Circle about two months ago. And we are we are iterating that as time goes on and our subscribers are telling us what they like and what they don't like. So we just released a new feature um, this week, actually, that one on one coaching calls are included as part of your Inner Circle subscription. And to be wow. a part of Inner Circle, it's $12 a month to be a part of Inner Circle. And you can schedule as many of those one on ones with me or my brother um, that you need. And not only that, but you get access to exclusive content, you get access to live Q&As with um, AV experts, we get Jake Goslin on the on the uh, channel and uh, some of the others like Ryland Russell. I mean, there's just so many perks to enter. We're just trying to create something that's so valuable, um, but that also supports collaborate worship so that we can grow our team. And I mean, it's just like a, a mutual thing, right? Um, you become mm -hmm. a subscriber, you help us grow, which helps you in return. So it's a really beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And for all less than a Netflix subscription nowadays. For sure. So. I absolutely love that. So, Cade, where can we find you? Where Where's the best place to get a hold of information? How can we direct people your way so uh, they can see you and, and, and potentially sign up and become one of your members? You will find everything at collaborateworship.com. And in true Cade fashion, we kept it simple. There's three links there. You'll find a link to Inner Circle, a link to our free content, and a link to our courses, collaborateworship.com. Fantastic. As always, it's always really good to be able to sit down with our friends here in this episodes of our podcast. I'd like to thank you, Cade, for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Um, and in any case, check us out, boxcast.com. We have a free trial. And of course, you can always look up Cade's information down in the comment section below. Cade, thanks again, buddy, for joining me. And uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add today before I signed off? I just want to say thank you for having me. It truly was a pleasure. I consider it an honor to be a part of what you're doing at BoxCast. And thank you guys for what you're doing to serve the church. I really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you, buddy. All right. Well, thanks again for watching the BoxCast podcast. Happy streaming. <laughs>